We started a study about three or four months ago in the church teaching through the book of John on one subject alone, and that was the subject of believing God. And as we went through the book of John just looking at believing God 81 times, it appears, we saw something amazing. Faith is never mentioned. And uh, I've always known there was a difference between believing and faith, but I didn't appreciate the significance of it until I also took my Bible and looked up every time faith is used in the Bible and every time believe is used in the Bible. And I asked the question and looked for the answer, why two different words? How are they different? Why is one used in one context, another one used in another context? And when they're used together, what significance is that? And so I found, like I found in many studies, that the Bible intended to say two different things. And though faith and belief are merge and are very similar, uh, identical in some cases, they're aspects of both that are not like the other. And so in researching this and teaching on it, I came to some very wonderful uh, concepts and revelations. Now, this is not going to be something that's going to shatter your beliefs where you are and make you change your beliefs. It's not like that. But it's something that's going to reinforce your beliefs. And it is going to give you a greater sense of peace and security when you're able to identify the difference between your faith and believing God. It'll also, some of you who are not sure you're saved because you're not sure that you have enough faith. You're going to find out that you don't need to have faith to come to God to be saved. You just need to believe. And God will give you the faith. No, I haven't turned to Calvinism. But you will see some amazing things here. Probably won't finish it tonight. We'll probably have to go into tomorrow morning. Okay, believe is a verb expressing action. Believe, telling you to do something. Faith is a noun. Something that one possesses. Like, do you have faith? No one says faith. They say, do you have faith? Faith is something you possess. It is quantitative. And that is, faith is something that has 30%, 60%, or 100%. To believe is the duty of the sinner. We're commanded to believe. Whereas faith is a gift from God. A sinner cannot have saving faith. Because Charles G. Finney argued something that I still don't agree with, but I see more clearly his point. Charles Finney said that God imputes righteousness to the sinner for his faith. And Charles Finney said the reason God does that is because faith, in fact, is righteousness. He argued that faith is a virtue that God gives God encourages faith, and faith is a good thing. So he says God requires the sinner to have faith, and when the sinner does, 
he is then in the path of rightness and therefore God saves him. I have a very lot of problem with that. But there's one thing that Finney was seeing that many of us had not seen. And that is that faith, in fact, is a virtue. It is a good thing. It is a proper moral state. It's something that every believer ought to have. So if, in fact, we're re we are requiring the sinner to have faith in order to be saved, then we're requiring him to do something good in order to be saved, to do something right in order to be saved. Can you see that? Now, the Calvinist believes that. But the Calvinist teaches that God, that the sinner cannot have faith and that God must give him faith to believe. God does this based on his foreordination, his election, his divine sovereign decrees. And when God decrees that one man should be saved and decrees nothing about the other except that he should be damned, then there comes a point in time, the day that God has decreed, when that sinner... God imparts faith to him, which in effect is God saving him before he believes. And he believes then because God has imparted faith to him, him being chosen to be saved. And then that sinner believes and God imputes it to him for righteousness. So that's the Calvinist position, which I certainly do not adopt. But the study that we're going to see here is going to resolve in your thinking some of those issues between Calvinism and the so-called, I say so-called, Armenianism that they suppose is the other view. I am neither a Calvinist nor an Armenian. I'm a Bible believer. And as a Bible believer, I believe some things the Calvinists believe and some things the Armenians believe. I probably believe more that the Calvinists believe than I do the Armenians but I'm by no means a Calvinist. Now, a sinner cannot have saving faith, but a sinner can and should believe. There's no virtue in believing. A man who chooses not to believe something, if presented with sufficient evidence, is forced to believe if he's a logical, sincere man. Unless one is predisposed to reject the significance of that faith, that belief, unless he's predisposed to not believe because the implications of believing, when one is, has an honest and good heart, as the gospel say, and the seed falls upon that ground, then the word itself brings forth belief and following belief is faith. Belief is not a moral quality. Many people believe many things, regenerate or unregenerate. Faith, though, is in fact a virtue. We cannot, we cannot deny that. There's no way to get around that. You're going to see by the preponderance of Scripture that faith is a great virtue. Believing is all or nothing. That means you can't believe a little bit. You either believe or you don't. Whereas faith is partial, incomplete, so incomplete that none of us here tonight have full faith. None of us here tonight have great faith. None of us here tonight have even significant faith. 
Most of us, most of the time, are faithless. And if you have to have faith to be saved, I can understand why you question your salvation. You wonder if you've got enough or if you've got the right kind. Believing is all or nothing. You do or you don't. Faith comes in degrees. Little faith and great faith and all kinds of faith in between. Faith has hands. Faith can lay hold. Faith, these are biblical terms, faith can obtain. Faith can realize hope and bring things to pass. Faith can achieve, conquer, overcome. You don't need to possess faith to come to God. If you believe, he will give you faith. Belief is a one-time event. Faith is an ongoing state. Faith, a noun, is an ongoing accumulated state. Whereas belief, a verb, is a one-time event which puts one in the path of faith. Faith is based on belief. Without belief, there would be no faith. And belief is based on evidence. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture in a moment. Just trying to sum up, give you the overview. These are, these are actually conclusion views, okay? Belief is based on evidence. Faith is based on belief. And belief is based on evidence. One must believe with all his heart in order to be saved. You remember Philip and the eunuch? If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And so when one believes with his heart, not just some intellectual assent, but believes with his heart, where we really, where all real belief takes place. If you believe with your heart, no such condition is placed upon faith, which is partial and incomplete at best. Now, if you truly are a man of great faith, where are the mountains you've moved? Where are the great number of healings that occurred? The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Where are your manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit that are other than indulgent if you're a man of great faith? Have you prophesied according to your proportion of faith? Where are the great prophecies? Not the little ones, but the great ones that come from great faith. Where are the devils and the demons cast out and people healed? Sight restored, if you are a person of great faith. None of you here are people of great faith. You are as the disciples with faith less than a grain of mustard seed. So small you can inhale it without sneezing. So small it could fall out of your tooth and you wouldn't feel it gone. Faith, tiny, is the best that we have. Believing God is a response to information you trust. You must trust it in order to believe it. But having faith in God is a relationship of dependence. Are you beginning to see, knowing some of the scriptures you do, the distinctions that are existing in the word of God on these two realities? In the book of John, believe appears 101 times. Now, it speaks of believing not 20 times, but it speaks of believing 81 times in the book of John. The word faith 
does not appear in John. You say, well, that's just John's preference. He just prefers the word believe over faith. No. If you compare John to the epistles or to the book of Acts, you will find that John is addressing a different subject from a different point of view. He's not dealing with faith. He's not dealing with people who've become people of faith. He's dealing with people who have no faith yet. He's dealing with people who need to believe something about Jesus, need to believe something about themselves, need to believe something about the world to come. They need to believe something about his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, his promise of a second coming. They need to believe that. Faith is not the issue with them at that time. John tells us why he wrote the book of John. He says, John 20, 31, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. What a beautiful passage of scripture. How marvelous that is. These things are written, the word of God, the book of John is written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing that you might have life through his name. That's the purpose of the book of John. John tells us why John the Baptist came. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. The challenge to sinners in the word of God is never to have faith. The challenge to sinners is to believe. And a sinner doesn't need virtue to believe. He doesn't need to be right to believe. He doesn't need to have a gift from God to believe. The sinner right in his sin can simply believe the words, the witness of John, the witness of John the Baptist, the witness of Christ, can believe that, and in believing it, have life eternal. Isn't this fun? <clears throat> John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those of you not saved tonight, you will be given the power to become the son of God by believing on his name. Don't look inside for faith. Look outside to the facts. Look at what the word of God says and believe it. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever, that's like everybody, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I skipped a passage. I'm quoting instead of reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Again, whosoever believeth. You see, the gospel is preached. It's thrown out there. And the challenge for all sinners everywhere, elect or non-elect, whatever you want to call yourself, 
you can lay hold on eternal life by believing this gospel. And when you do, I guarantee you, you become one of God's elect in, from your perspective. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Not condemned if you believe. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the duty of the sinner, to believe God. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I'm going through the book of John with these 81 verses. As many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman who has testified, he told me that all ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we've heard him ourselves. And we know, we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. This was the meat Jesus had to eat that they knew not of, to bring the words of God to these people that they might believe. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of the saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ. Know. That's what faith, that's what belief was. Knowing, being convinced that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, this is a good one, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life so two things there hear my word and believe on him that sent me then said they unto him what shall we do that we might work the works of God Jesus answered and said unto them this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou that we may see and believe thee? What work doest thou? And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you, that you also have seen me and believe not. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him. Moments ago, he said, everyone that heareth my word, and believeth on him. Now he said, everyone that seeth the Son, and believeth on him, may have everlasting life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. You see that? There's assurance that you will have everlasting life, and you'll be raised up at the last day in the rapture of the church to stand before God. Why? One thing, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times do you think the word repent appears in the book of John? Yeah, that's how many. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. How many of these passages have we seen now in the first six chapters that tell us how to have everlasting life? Know 
No, nothing, nothing except believing. Hear and believe, see and believe. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these, which this man hath done? And he that believeth on me, as the scripture is said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive from the Holy Ghost. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So this believing on him would have a well of water springing up as the Holy Ghost placed them into the body of Christ. So believing is all that's required to receive the Holy Ghost. Believing is all that's required to receive the Holy Ghost. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out. This is the blind man that was healed. And the Pharisees didn't appreciate the healing. He said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? This is what Jesus said to him after they had rejected him. And Jesus found him. And this man who was blind, who now sees, who'd never seen Jesus before, he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? That was a believing heart. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and is he that talketh with thee? And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Salvation is sure simple. Jesus said unto her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me, that's rapture, you're alive when he comes back, shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. That's the kind of profession that just tickles the heart of God. That makes Jesus excited. The angels rejoice over that. They're waiting for someone to say, I believe God, I believe God. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me, and he that seeth. Can you hear me? He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Believe thou that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or, or else believe me for the very works sake, the miracles he's performing. And now I've told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Now we're sure that thou knowest all things, the disciples responded, and needest not that any man should ask thee, by this we believe thou camest forth from God. His response was, do you now believe? Kind of a rebuke. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, Jesus says to the Father. And they have believed that thou didst send me. He's celebrating in prayer to the Father the wonder that his job was accomplished in bringing them to believe on him. He said to the Father in the hours before his crucifixion, neither Pray I for these alone, 
but for them which shall believe on me through their word. We're looking at the word of one of them right now, John. That the word, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And Jesus said unto Thomas after his resurrection, when Thomas said, except I thrust my hand into his side, feel the nail prints in his hands, I will not believe. Jesus suddenly appears in the room. They're all afraid. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou seen me, thus believe. This is after Thomas sees and believes. Then he said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Indicating that it's a higher state. For those of us who've not seen those miracles originally performed, not seen the nail prints in his hands, and yet we believe, more blessed are we. But these are written that you might, and many other signs, truly did the presence of his disciples, which are not written in these books. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. Look at it again. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So how does one come to believe? We have concluded a run through John on the preponderance of verses pointing out that believing is the condition the sinner must meet to be saved. And again, I submit unto you that one can believe even when he wasn't inclined to. So the question is, since Jesus taught, some believed and some didn't, what's the difference between one who believes and one who doesn't? Why does one believe and another not? It is, in fact, the word of God that causes belief. But it works on some, it doesn't on others. When therefore he was risen from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said unto them, and they believed the scripture, the word which Jesus had said. Believing the holy scriptures is the grounds of believing. Believing what God says. How does one come to believe? Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy son liveth, and the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. Believing the words of God. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? That's the question before us. And how shall they believe? That's the question we're looking at. How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Have you noticed there's no question here like, how shall they believe if God doesn't believe for them? How shall they believe if they're not elected? How shall they believe if the Holy Ghost doesn't come and perform a miracle in them? It doesn't indicate anything like that anywhere in the Word of God. The issue is, how can they believe? Someone has got to go and take the message. That's what it takes to get them to believe. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and glad tidings 
of good things. When we go and preach the glad tidings of good things and give the message, all men can believe. But they've not all obeyed the gospel, Paul says in Romans. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So the question is, since the report came out and they've heard the report, why is it they didn't believe the report? For he says, so then faith cometh by hearing. We ask the question, how do you have faith? Now we switch from believing to faith for a moment. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The report must be believed and the word of God generates faith in those who hear and believe. So we believe and faith comes. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, what you heard of us, I guarantee you that was not the New International Version. You received it not as the word of men. That's not the Revised Standard Version. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. In other words, when a man believes the words of God, the words of God become active, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The word of God becomes effectual. And that is, it doesn't just command something and then wait on you to perform it. The word of God comes in to work that work that it demands of you. The word of God comes active and alive to perform the miracle inside of you, to aid you in the believing process, and then to instill in you faith that will be in you for the rest of your Christian experience and sustain you and give you overcoming power. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Philip didn't say if you repent of your sins. Philip didn't say if you humble yourself, if you die to yourself, if you, if you become empty of self-effort and self-drive, he wasn't into the Amish or the Mennonite doctrine. He wasn't into the Keswick movement. He wasn't into Catholicism or Pentecostalism or even the Baptist church. He said, if thou believest with all thine heart. He didn't say if you come down the aisle and make a public profession. He said, if you believe with all your heart, thou mayest. He answered, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he said, stop the chariot, stand still. And they went down the water, the eunuch, and he baptized him. So Philip was satisfied that salvation had come to that house that day because the, Philip made, because the eunuch made the right confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. For what if some did not believe? Paul asked. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? When someone fails to believe, does that stifle the faith of God? We'll answer in following verses. In whom also, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after that you believed 
After you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Believing results in sealing of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Notice the switch in words. A man is not justified by the law, but by the faith of Christ. The faith of Christ is that body of revealed truth, that gospel message that justifies. Even we have believed, he switches from faith to belief, even we have believed in Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility, our duty, our response. That we might be justified by the faith of Christ. So believing places us into the faith of Christ. One believes so he can be given, so, so, so he can be given as grounds for justification. Faith can be given as grounds of justification. Excuse me, I hit the wrong button here. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that not have faith, but them that believe. So that salvation, which is a salvation of faith, imputed to those for their faith, is given to those who believe. For you're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Are you beginning to see this distinction made in the scriptures, the clear link? All right. Uh, what time are we supposed to quit? Tomorrow? No, tonight. 8.20? Okay. I'm going to keep going then for a little while. The word faith, we switch from belief to faith now so we can see the contrast. The word faith appears only twice in the Old Testament. Only twice. That's all, twice. Now, believe, Abraham believed God. That appears several times. Okay, here's the two verses on faith in the Old Testament. Children in whom there is no faith. That's how God characterized the Jews. No faith in them. The one time it speaks positively of faith, it is a prophecy of future faith. Nothing about the faith of the Old Testament saints. The just shall live by his faith. That throws a lot of light on that passage. A just man does not live by his belief. He lives, that's the ongoing process that he's been placed into by his belief. It's placed him into faith and the just the man justified shall live by means of his faith, that which is in him, which he uses to lay hold on his salvation in fear and trembling. Faith appears 245 times in the New Testament. That's what we call a bunch. The nature of faith. Now, this is, this is good. I love this passage. In fact, I understand it like I've never understood it before. Now, faith is the substance. I, I've wrestled with that one off and on all my life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, if you think faith and belief are the same thing, then that is a very confusing passage. Faith is substance. Belief is not substance. Faith is substance. Belief has no substance. Belief is based on reality on facts on trusting something but faith itself is the substance of things hope for hope is an extend extended faith hope is faith in anticipation uh, hope is faith in waiting 
Hope is what faith lays hold on to and generates patience to endure unto the end to receive the full promise that faith anticipates, hope promises, and patience waits for patiently. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence because he goes on in the book of Hebrews and tells us how that through faith, They obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, had children born, so forth, so forth. Then he said, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them, confessing that they were strangers and pilgrims. So faith became the tool by which the Old Testament saints overcame. Faith can be quantified. It is a resource, a tool, a weapon, an enabling force, a conduit to God and his blessings. Faith is incremental. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So faith is incremental. If we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, meaning there's little and there's more. O ye of little faith, appears nine times in the New Testament. And the apostles said unto The Lord, increase our faith. We need more of it. When your faith is increased, Paul says, indicating the Corinthian Christians needed an increase in faith and that that increase was coming through his letter. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. There you have faith is given by God. God deals in measure, and it is a measure. One man's measure of faith differs from another man's measure of faith. Not all of us have the same amount of faith. If if salvation were based on our faith, some of us would be more saved than others. Faith is a gift from God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Does that make Jesus the giver of faith? God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So every man has some faith in one measure or another. To another, faith is a gift of the Spirit. Faith is given to one, but not to all. That is a certain unique gift of faith. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Just as some people have the gifts of healing, others have the gift of tongues, gift of interpretation, gift of prophecy, discernment of spirits, there are some people who have a gift of faith. When the church needs to believe, you go to them. They can stand in faith where others cannot. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and God will raise him up. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is faith. Now, you can see why where we started that if God imputes righteousness to us based on our faith, If God, through us having faith, makes and calls us righteous, then if faith is a gift from God, a gift from the Holy Spirit, then in fact God would be justifying a man for having a gift of the Spirit. And that just wouldn't fit at all, would it? Now we read again, 2 Peter 1, 1. So so them that have obtained like precious faith... For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, I believe that passage is saying that salvation is the gift of God. 
But the Calvinists tell us it's saying that faith is the gift of God. So, for the sake of argument, I will, for the moment, agree that that is saying that faith is the gift of God. The Calvinists would celebrate that on the web if they heard that Mike Pearl believes that faith is the gift from God and not obtainable or achievable by the sinner. You'd have all kinds of people writing, he's been converted! But let's, for the sake of argument, say, yes, faith is a gift of God. If that is the case, then does that bind us, does that put us in a a strait to where we must conclude then that the sinner has no responsibility until God gives him faith? No, because we now know that faith and belief are two different things. And that the sinner is required to believe, and when he believes, God gives him the faith that will sustain him the rest of his life. Do you like that? Faith is produced by belief. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that have faith. No, that believe. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You see the faith and the belief and their relationship. Faith first, belief first, and faith following. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. So this faith of Christ justifies me, but my first response was to believe God in his word. So the steps would read like this. Here, it's beginning to sound like a Church of Christ doctrine already. Here... Believe, have faith, hope, and patience. You'll see that throughout the scriptures. Hear, then believe, faith, faith is followed by hope, hope is followed by patience, and in the end, we overcome. Saving faith, purifying the hearts by faith, the just shall live by faith. We conclude a man is justified Uh, by faith without the deeds of the law. To him that worketh not but believeth, his faith is counted for righteousness, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace. Faith has hands. Belief does not. Taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So a Christian can use that faith in a defensive way. She shall be saved in childbearing if conditionally, if if they continue in faith and charity with holiness and sobriety. So faith can deliver a woman in childbearing. Faith, fight the good fight of faith. That's rolls off your tongue real well. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight a fight of faith. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience, remember my little stairway, the blocks, faith and patience inherit the promises. So faith is the tool. Faith is the hands that reaches out. Patience grows out of faith. And inheriting the promises follows in the end. By faith, Enoch offered unto, uh, Abel offered unto God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. 
By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Through faith, Sarah received strength to conceive and bear seed because she judged him faithful. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Rahab the harlot perished not. And then he goes on to say, they quenched the violence of fire through faith, escaped the edge of the sword through faith. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the enemies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better erection. All of this by faith. Then he said, these all, having obtained a good report through faith, having obtained a good report, so faith laid hold, it had hands, it obtained, received not the promise, that ultimate promise of rest with God, that ultimate promise of a new Jerusalem, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Let's lodge here now. How then shall they believe on him in whom they've... How shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul says, the word of God effectually worketh. He says, receiving the spirit by the works of the Lord or by the hearing of faith. The rain comes down. He said, it comes down, it brings forth grass, it buds, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. So the word of God is what generates faith. The seed is the word of God, he said. He said, it's the word of faith which we preach. That's the seed of the word of God. For with the heart man believeth unto the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So that is faith and belief. Let me give you a brief summary of all this now. Those of you who are here tonight, and you struggle with this concept of faith, whether or not you had the faith to be saved. The Bible says in the book of James, you believe, believe, there's one God. You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. You say, so how do I know I'm believing right if the devils believe? The Bible said that the devils believe what? They believe there's one God. They do not believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. They do not believe in his resurrection, his ascension, his second coming. They do not believe in ultimate triumph and victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The devils just believe there's one God. And he said their response to that is to tremble. Now, you know, I believe much more than that, and I'm not trembling. I'm rejoicing. So we're not asking you to have some intellectual outside belief that God exists. We're asking you to believe all that we saw there in the book of John. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came in the world to be a propitiation for your sins. To believe what John said, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. To believe as the woman at the well did. He's the Christ, the Savior of the world. To believe as the blind man did. In his healing power, his grace and his forgiveness. To believe as the woman who had devils cast out of her. To love him as the woman who was forgiven in her sin. Who fell down at his feet and washed his feet with the hairs of her head. She believed with all of her heart. To believe as Peter did, as John did, though they faltered in their faith, they did not falter in believing. 
they continued to believe. As even uh, Thomas believed, uh, through much difficulty, he came to believe. So it is, God challenges you to believe. In the book of Acts, in uh, chapter 17, I believe it is, uh, Paul and Silas are in jail, and uh, angels come down and open the bars up, and Paul and Silas come out, and the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? What was the answer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and the house. And they took him out, washed their stripes in the same hour they were baptized. Now, you are making salvation more complicated than God does. You're placing upon yourself a responsibility to have mature Christian faith, which you cannot have now. What you can have is a confidence that God gives salvation to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can believe that right now. You are believing that. And then you can rejoice and thank God for the salvation that is his. Allow him then, the Holy Spirit, to come and fill you and move you in peace and joy and celebration of what you've received in Christ. In the process, a little seed of faith will be formed in you. The Word of God will culture that, that faith. That faith will be watered. One plants, another waters. And in time, it'll bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold, various amounts. And you'll be given a proportion of faith, and you'll be able to minister according to that proportion of faith. And you'll pray and ask God to increase your faith, and in time, he will. But it'll come over a period of years as that faith grows and develops. So I challenge you tonight, right now, believe God. If you believe God, he will impart to you that righteousness which is the gift of those who have faith. The faith will come as God places it in your heart and soul as you just believe.